Good morning, church. I think that was well said, uh, what Michelle had mentioned about just recognizing, you know, and, 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 and inviting the Holy Spirit's uh, presence into your, into your life. I think that's a daily thing, right? Lord, empty me of myself. <laughs> Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Let, uh, fill me fresh with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, I, I hear that and I immediately think of be still and know that uh, he is God, that he is the Lord, right? When we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, when we're aware of his presence, there's a humility that must come over us for us to just humble ourselves and be still in his presence, recognizing the greatness that we're in and, and how good he is and how, uh, you know, we, we, would be, we would be wise to throw ourselves upon the mercy seat of God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just asking for his mercy and his grace and forgiveness. And uh, it makes me think of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Solomon, man, he had it right. He, he, he asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom. How much do we need wisdom today? In today's day and age, um, we ask for wisdom. God is not stingy. He'll grant us wisdom. Everything that we actually need is encompassed in wisdom. The edge of protection, <laughs> all the many things. We have so many prayer requests. But if we just ask for the right things and don't ask amiss, we'll get everything we need. Amen. Well, uh, it's been an interesting week, to say the least. I know that there's been uh, several uh, of us that have gone through some things. Everyone's going through something every day. Uh, but uh, I will say, please keep me in prayer, as I've definitely felt uh, the opposition the last couple days. And uh, no, just keep me in prayer. Keep, keep your pastor in prayer. Um, I will say there was several times, actually more than several times, but a couple of times that I remember clearly uh, how the Lord came through this week. So Tuesday uh, afternoon, I got news that uh, my mom's uncle had uh, died. And, uh, you know, uh, he was up in years. But, you know, the, the main thing was, uh, you know, we don't know if he was saved. And I don't believe he was just because of what he had practiced, uh, you know, the religion he had chose. But, the good thing, what, what came out of it that was good was I was able to talk to my mom. I was able to talk to my mom Thursday, uh, or I'm sorry, Tuesday evening. And, uh, you know, every time any kind of tragedy happens or any kind of thing that, that, that we don't like happens, you know, the Lord constantly reminds me <laughs> there's a reverent fear that I need to have. What does it mean for me personally? I need to make sure that I'm right with God. Uh, we all have a number over our head. We don't know when that number is going to expire. You know, we cannot make, you know, people say uh, today's a, you know, today's a, a blessing as, as far as, you know, you can make it through today. You may not make it through today. I may not make it through today. The main thing is, are we right with our creator, the creator God in all things so that when our time comes, we're going to be okay when we pass, right? A lot of people hold on to this life because they're not right with God and they don't know God. And they don't believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation, but he is. And so uh, it was cool. I was able to be used to comfort my mom in that time. And then Wednesday morning came 
And uh, I woke up and I read this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any, that's a key word, any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by. And so again, it's just, it was just a great reminder of the Lord's like, you know, this is what is going on. You know, I comforted you, you comforted your mom. Uh, the reality is we are to be that to all people out in the world. Uh, we are comforted so that we can bring that comfort to other people. And um, again, as it's been said about just uh, inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit in, I've been heavily convicted over just the church just having a, a, a deep burden for the lost, you know, for people that don't know Jesus. Uh, you know, these times we're living in, nobody knows the prophetic time when Christ is coming back, but it's getting crazier and crazier every day. And I truly believe that time is short and that it's, we're probably a whole lot closer than we think we are. And so there's souls that need to know about Christ. Amen. So when we have the opportunity, that's why we're still alive. That's really the only reason why we're here it is because there is a mission for us to evangelize and get out. Uh, however that is, whatever that looks like in your life, take the opportunity to talk to people about Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. We are uh, in Revelation chapter five this morning. Lord willing, we'll finish it up. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, Revelation 5, verses 6 down through 14. Uh, and this is part two of the scroll and the lamb. That's, uh, I, I didn't come up with any special title. This is just what the text is about. So when we get there, if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. Once again, we're in Revelation chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 6 down through 14. And it says, And between the throne... And the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Verse 11. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea 
and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessed, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's anything else we need to say other than praise you. Praise the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much that you gave your one and only Son to lay his life down, to be a ransom for many, for whoever would humble themselves, recognizing that they are sinners, recognizing that we're sinners and that we are in need of forgiveness, that we can't repay the debt that has been made by being marred by the effects of sin, but you gave your Son. And so that's why we praise you. We praise you so much because you're just and you're righteous and you're holy and you love us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now through your word. Give us all in this room the ability to rightfully divide your word through the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to understand how this applies to each and every single one of us right now today. And give us the ability to leave this building and apply your word to our lives. May we have just a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And may we be blessed by your word today. Father, we thank you and love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Today we are looking to wrap up chapter 5. And in that, we will get a glimpse of the resurrected Christ in all his glory. Last week, we saw him depicted as the Lion of Judah. And this week, we see Jesus Christ described as the Lamb that was slain. Through the interaction of the Lamb, the four living creatures, and the 24 elders, we will see the Bible explain in great detail why Jesus Christ alone is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. Amen? All right, we have several main points, and the first one is this. The great significance of the Lamb who was slain. So, if we've done any study of the Old Testament, we know all about the Day of Atonement, right? Once a year, the Israelites would travel to Jerusalem, and they would have, they would have to have an animal sacrificed on the altar by the priest for their sins, right? They had to make this trek every year. But the one big problem was that this sacrifice was only good for one year. <laughs> it's like I have a AAA membership, right? AAA plus membership. And it's only good until January 29th of next year. Then I got to renew it. And I got to pay 100, another $192 or whatever the, the cost is. But this is what they were dealing with back then. This whole dilemma of having to get an animal, a spotless animal without blemish, Right and, and, and sacrifice it, bring it to the priest, to the temple, so their sins could be forgiven. But see, we need to understand why a blood sacrifice was needed in the first place. Because if we don't have that framework, the whole idea of Jesus going to the cross and dying for our sins and his blood, people hear that a lot. And, but if they don't have the framework in context, they just don't get it. And if they don't have the Holy Spirit... Uh, rightfully divide this for them, then they just don't understand what is the reasoning for this. Because the reality is, some would have you to believe that God is some kind of bloodthirsty tyrant that is never satisfied unless blood is shed. I mean, I've heard that. And you know, I was talking to Lou this morning, and, 
Again, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to name names, but there is some twisted, wicked, false doctrine out right now. I mean, it's been out, right, forever, but I, I don't dabble in that stuff. But I, I saw some things in the last couple of days, and it really made my stomach turn. It really made me sick to my stomach to hear the things coming out of mouths of men standing in pulpits claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ. We are living in the last days. There is a lot of wickedness out there, and there are a lot of people teaching and preaching another kind of Jesus, which we are warned about in the Scripture. So that's, again, another reason why we need to be wise like the Bereans and study through the Scriptures to show ourselves approved. Amen? But some would have you to believe that God is some bloodthirsty tyrant, that He's not appeased until blood is shed, that He's just looking for, for this to happen. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. That idea is actually, it actually describes wickedness, wicked sinners, unregenerated, unrepented sinners in the sight of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 16 tells us, speaking of wicked uh, men who are not regenerated in, the, in, in, in their spirit. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. You know, there's people that are out there like that. Their sole aim is to cause discord, cause conflict, cause pain. And who's behind it? They think that they're doing it, but it's really Satan. It's really some demonic presence that's causing upheaval in their lives. And because they're not aware of the truth of who Jesus Christ is, they are bound and they are blind to this truth. But the reality is this, the life of any kind of being, animal, human being, that is, is in the blood, right? Anyone void of blood in their system, in their veins, has no life. Um, I, I think of, you know, uh, my mom back in the day, and before she had her transplants, you know, she was on dialysis. And I remember being, I was young, I mean, I was still... I had been driving for a little bit. Maybe I was 15, 16 years old. But I remember taking her to the dialysis clinic. And I hate the smell of iron. I hate the smell of blood. And that place reeked of it. Because you got to go, if you're familiar with what you do in dialysis, you got to go several times a week. And they literally pump your blood out of your body, put it through some kind of filter or a, a machine that cleanses it, and they pump it back in. It is very painful. It's very excruciating. It's something that no one should have to go through. But again, we see the effects of sin. That's an effect of sin right there, whether it's a generational curse or just it's the fall of humanity. And so people got to go through that. That's a horrible thing. And I remember taking my mom to this clinic. It was right there off of, I don't know, kind of, I was on kind of by Campbell going that way off of Hillsdale, something like that. But, uh, you know, it was interesting because she needed to get her blood cleansed several times a week. But it, isn't it so interesting that spiritually, in a similar sense, our blood needs to be cleansed as well? It needs to be because we're depraved in our natural state. We're wretched, as the Bible says, apart from Christ. But you see, blood was God's ordained means of effecting atonement. And atonement is something that's desperately needed. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you 
to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. You see, atonement for sin is achieved by sacrificing an animal's life in substitution for your life or my life. That's what the, the old, old time Israelites had to deal with. It, it, it made them right. The shedding of blood was the most critical element. It was the blood of the guiltless substitute offered on the altar that served as payment for the people's sins. This is the full meaning of the life is in the blood. And this would only be revealed fully when Jesus Christ came to earth. And that's why he did. He came to earth. We know the story. Perfect as a baby, born in a manger, nasty, smelly in a trough and lived a perfect life. He was a carpenter. He had his ministry go for three and a half years. And then what happened? Judas handed him over. He didn't. Uh, well, not Judas hand him over, but this was all prophetic. And he, you know, was hung on a tree for the sins of the world. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 tells us that is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. Man, that's mind blowing. The God of all creation who steps outside of space and time, who's not created in his infinite wisdom said, I'm going to give my son a body of flesh because I already know (laughs) the propensity for wickedness in creation. And this is how people are going to be brought back into a right relationship with me. Speaking of God, the father is by him giving his son as that sacrifice so that we could have peace with God and not have enmity with him. This is the reason why Jesus Christ's sacrifice, the lamb that was slain, was so significant, or is, I should say, because it's present tense, why it's so significant. His pure, sinless, innocent blood shed for humanity cleanses past, present, and future sins. Praise God, right? I was uh, talking, I must have have, uh, told Michelle this morning, I, you know, I, I was watching a little bit of Ray Comfort. I don't know if you guys know Ray Comfort, but he goes around. And when he starts rattling off just a couple of the, the commandments, it's like, I'm already done. <laughs> I'm already done. Put a fork in me. I'm done. You just see person after person. I'm going to hell. Say, so you're a murdering, adulterous thief. Man, when we have to go before God, if that's what we have as a, as a standard, we're not, none of us are going. We're all guilty. But praise our Heavenly Father that He gave His precious Son. And this is why it's so significant. And, you know, when I watch those videos, I'm seeing these people being challenged. And you can tell by body language, they're nervous. Some are doing this, some are doing that. Whether they, whether they accept Christ or not, it makes them uncomfortable because they have to come. We have to come face to face with our natural state. And it's not pretty. But that's why... The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is so important because he gives us an out. We don't have to end up like that. We don't have to end up in eternity apart from him in hell if we would simply recognize we're sinners, humble ourselves, believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and allow him to come into our hearts. It's such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing. No longer are animal sacrifices needed to forgive someone of their sins. Amen? Because we, we don't have to do that. <laughs> I'm not killing any animal <laughs> up here. 
You know, it's been said, right, that priests will wear those robes. I mean, those robes, almost knee-high blood. It's like a, just a meat locker, what it probably smelled like. I, I can't stand the smell of blood. I just can't do it. I, w- I would not be a good butcher. <laughs> I just wouldn't, you know. I'd have to wear one of those what, N95 masks all the time because I don't want to smell that. But that's what it was like. Constantly, the priest constantly having to sacrifice these animals for the forgiveness of sins. But it, it's no longer like that because the perfect lamb, as, as the scripture tells us, the perfect lamb that was slain, he now sits at the right hand of the Father and is in all glory. Amen. The second main point is this. In heaven, Jesus Christ will receive a new song that he alone is worthy to receive. Again, here in this fallen world, people slander and mock the name of Jesus Christ. They abuse his name and disregard the sacrifice that he has made for them. And in any shape, form, or fashion, this is blasphemy. It is blasphemy to take the name of the Lord in vain. Again, that's another uh, commandment that we're not supposed to break, but yet people break it every day. It's commonplace now. It's common culture to use the Lord's name in vain and not think nothing of it. Or people say, OMG, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. And people think, oh, well, you're just, you're just hypercritical. When the wrath of God comes upon this earth, people are not going to be saying anything about Christians who are being critical because this is a standard that we're supposed to live by and we don't live up to it. And so again, it brings back that whole idea of being still before the Holy Spirit, being still before God. If we would be still and shut our mouths before God, man, I guarantee you conviction would set in (laughs) because we need to get right and we need to not take things lightly that are what's granted to us in the word of God and how to live. Because, I mean, you see it. You see the effects of of just wrongdoing everywhere. Though there are pockets of good, make no mistake, this world is going to burn up. It's going to burn up because it's wicked. Because the inhabitants of this world have made this world wicked and it's not going to last forever. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible has something to say about those who talk in this manner, who blaspheme the name of the Lord. Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37 tells us, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Man, that's powerful. It's like I can't even give this message because I get, I get the fear of the Lord so much in me. I'm like, man, Lord, this is crazy. And I remember the way I used to be. And I remember the things that I was saying. I'm so ashamed that those would, things would even come out of my mouth. But here, it's, it's a clear example of we have to be aware of what we're doing. We just cannot be on autopilot, folks. Right? We can't just be willy-nilly through this life there has to be a conscious thought and effort that goes into how we walk with the lord amen Amen. you see but in heaven it will be a completely different situation jesus christ will receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing that's what he's going to receive he's not going to receive slander he's not going to be mocked he's not going to be you know uh, spat on or anything like that it's not going to be like that in heaven 
A new song will be sung to him throughout eternity. This is due to him for what he has done. Again, the lamb that was slain, he receives, he deserves to receive all honor and glory. And the third main point is this. In the new heaven and new earth, all created beings will acknowledge and submit to Jesus Christ regardless of who they are. You see, in the last verse here in chapter 5, the Apostle John stated that every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea were praising, were all praising Jesus Christ. This reveals that no one gets away from the hand of their Creator. That no one can shake the fact that they are a created being. Meaning that we did not create ourselves. We have an infinite designer. We did not design ourselves. We did not form ourselves to come into existence and to live this life. No one is their own God. And anyone who thinks they're their own God is simply deceived. They can try, but no one is, comp- is in complete control other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 6, verse six excuse me, says that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. This portion of scripture reveals the ultimate adoration of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit and God the Father, what they will receive when the whole earth is restored to its original sin-free condition. Romans chapter 8, verses 21 and 22 says that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And we know that's, that's really the reason why there's earthquakes and, and, and all kind of, you know, crazy things that go on in the world, right? People want to say, oh, it's natural. Yeah, it's natural because naturally sin has infested this world. And so you see all kind of backlash from things that go on because of sin. And, 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 and the creation itself is groaning, waiting for that day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. The hills know it. The trees know it. The animals know it. And unfortunately, the prize creation, we're the last, something, many times the last to figure it out. The last to figure it out. At that time, every living person and every living thing will acknowledge the Lamb's indisputable right to reign throughout eternity as King. Together, we will ascribe to the Father and Son blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. He's truly the only one worthy of it, and He truly is. We In this room, we understand that because our lives have been radically changed by the gospel, by the good news of Jesus Christ. What else can we do or should we do than be willing bondservants? Not a slave, but a bondservant. A bondservant willingly does it because they see the benefit of serving their master. We're not robots. We're not being beat with a whip. That's what Pharaoh did to the the Israelites in Egypt. God's not doing that. He's not a bloodthirsty God. He's not a, he's not a vengeful God in that sense. He's a jealous God. He has wrath, but he's a loving God, and he doesn't force anyone to serve him. And so it's very sad when we see people leave this earth when they did not accept the offer of salvation. All right, let's look at these verses 6 and 7. And it says, And between the throne, the four living creatures... 
And among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And when he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Okay, so again, John's looking and behold, he's seen a lamb standing. Back in chapter 4, because of the elders' announcement, John expected to see a lion, but he saw a lamb instead. The lamb is presented in both sympathetic ways and a powerful way. He is living. He stood a lamb. That's what we see in the text. But he still had the marks of previous sacrifice upon him because it says he's standing but as, he had, but as though he had been slain. It reminds me of when Jesus Christ came back after his resurrection from the dead. We all remember doubting Thomas, right? Thomas is like, I don't believe. I need to see. I need to see for myself. I need to see the scars. And what did Jesus do? He said, look, look, you see this is me. You see the holes in my wrists or in my hands. And, 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 and this is the same thing. We're seeing the slain lamb, the lamb that was slain. See, in regards to how we as humans, we tend to identify strength or, you know, oh, that's strong. He's strong or that's a strong uh, person or that's a strong uh, team. It goes something along the lines of this. We tend to create symbols of power like ferocious beasts and birds of prey. I mean, you think of like the medieval times and, 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 the, and the, um, uh, the shields, right? There was always something on the crest, some kind of like lion or, or a bird or something like that. I think of football. <laughs> I always think of football. You got the Detroit Lions, right? It's supposed to be ferocious. It's a lion. You got the Chicago Bulls, basketball, bulls, a strong animal. The Atlanta Falcons, all these different sports teams, they use these animals to depict strength. You see, but the representative of the kingdom of heaven was completely different. It's a lamb. <laughs> it's a lamb representing humility, gentleness, and sacrificial love. Meekness, power under control. That's what the lamb represents. The lamb looks, again, as though as it has been slain. It's hard to describe what John saw, but this lamb had the marks of sacrifice on it. The coming judgment, beginning in chapter 6 in the book of Revelation, is dictated and administered by the lamb, who already offered an escape from judgment, by taking judgment upon himself. The judgment will come upon a world that hates the Lamb and all he stands for and rejects his offer of escape. And that's why it's going to be a righteous judgment that the Lord administers to the earth at that time because the inhabitants of earth rebel with a clutched fist and do not want to submit. And so it's only right that the Lord judge them with a righteous anger for their rebellion against the Lamb of God. The application is this. Today is the day of salvation. You see, there is coming a time where it's going to be too late for people to say yes to Jesus Christ. Tomorrow will be too late. And for some, for those who've already passed, I've experienced that this week. An individual, I don't know if this person was saved. For, for, for that person, it's too late. He's already done. Whether they cremated him or put him in a casket, he's gone. And I'm not making, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being insensitive, but the Bible says it would be wise for us to consider and ponder death because it's coming for every single one of us. Again, that is the mark, another mark of this fallen 
nature that's in us that apart from Jesus Christ, we can't shake. It's because of sin. That's how real it is, folks, is that we are going to die. Our cute little grandchildren, they're going to grow up, hopefully, and live a full life, but they're going to die. We're all going to have to die. But there is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's why, again, it's so important. I mean, we just got to have a burden and a desire to reach the lost. How can we call ourselves Christians if our hearts don't break for people that we see that are lost in their sin? We're not told to just sit up and get saved and just be in our little cut, safe and secure. We need to be out and about. And I'm not saying be militant about it, but again, like I said, in your life as you live, I pray that this is something we're all doing, that we're taking the opportunity to consider those around us and, and share the love of Christ. Share with them. Don't be afraid. Even it's, You can be afraid, but ask the Lord for boldness. I deal with it all the time. Lord, I'm afraid to witness to this person. I'm afraid to witness to this coworker. But we've got to ask for, for strength and confidence in Him. The power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you and me. And so we need to remember that when it's like, man, Go talk to that brother. Go talk to that sister. Engage with them. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll want nothing to do with you. It's really they don't want nothing to do with Jesus. We can't take it personal. we got to learn to shrug it off and it's okay. And still love on them and still pray for them. You know? Amen. Amen. But that's, that's what's going on. That's, that's, that's our main purpose here. And in that, we're, we're going to be worshiping and honoring the Lord in the right way because we're doing what He called us to do. The Great Commission. And there's so many churches that have been disrupted by satan and demonic influence that they're not doing that they're not teaching the truth from the pulpit and they sure as heck are not spreading the truth to other people they're spreading misnomers and false information that's leading people to the gates of hell we have every means to get saved for those who choose not to they simply choose darkness over light john chapter 3 verse 19 says and this is the judgment The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. I mean, if you think about it, you think of yourself and I think of myself before we knew Christ. That's us. Whether we want to admit it or not, that's us. We love the darkness. You look at people who are lost today. When people when people get confronted with the gospel and they so they say, oh, I'm not ready today. Why do they not? Why are they not ready when they just heard the gospel message? It's because they love their sin. They love their secret sin of pornography or they love their secret sin of 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 taking drugs or they love their secret sin of whatever they're doing under undermining things, business deals, whatever it is. They love that secret sin. There's going to come a time when it's going to be too late. I mean, I think, of, I think of it like this. I think of a person who's, who's, who smokes cigarettes and they just smoke cigarettes. This is what they do. This is part of just kind of, you know, what they do to get the edge off. The package clearly states upon itself, if you smoke these, you're going to develop cancer and you're probably going to die. Yet many disregard the warning label and plunge ahead into foolishness. You see, the smoker daily has every possible opportunity to stop smoking. But because they have been feeding their flesh so long, their carnal nature is in full control. And they probably think, I'm going to die anyways. Might as well. 
Might as well have some cocktails and might as well shack up with a couple women because I'm going to die anyways. But that's what happens when we feed our carnal nature over feeding our spirit. We need to feed our spirit, not our flesh. You see, when we think like this, like this person who's in that position, we are subjected to our flesh. We all need to learn to come out of agreement with our flesh and into agreement with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, this whole idea of this lamb that's been slain, the lamb that's been slain. The idea is that the sacrifice of Jesus is still fresh and current before God the Father. There is nothing stale or worn out in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And this is why the Lord has impressed it upon my heart personally in my own walk with the Lord. It can never get old. It can never get stale. This, this, This whole idea of Jesus going to the cross, it has to be new and fresh in us. If it's not, we're the ones who are crusty and stale. And we need to get back on that potter's wheel and allow him to break us so we can be brought back into position to where we can be formed the right way so our hearts can work the right way. Amen. Amen. You see, thousands of years later, it is still fresh as the day that he died on the cross. The application is this. This form of speech is to show the continual recent virtue of Christ's death eternally before God the Father. Once and for all, he has purchased eternal redemption for mankind. But this is very important. Don't miss this. The sacrificial offering of Christ in the sight of God the Father is that he is still represented as being the very act of pouring out his blood for the sins of mankind. This gives great advantage to faith. When any soul comes to the throne of grace, he finds a sacrifice there already provided for him to offer to God. All other generations, all succeeding generations, find that they have the continual sacrifice ready and newly shed blood to offer for their sins. And that's, again, you think of your younger generation family. If you have kids, your kids, if you have grandchildren, your grandchildren, the blood of Christ is fresh for them, just as it's fresh for you now. All they have to do is receive the free gift of salvation, recognize that they are a sinner, repent, throw themselves upon the mercy seat of Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness, believing that he died for their sins. It's as simple as that. And that's the difficult thing. That we, we over think things we over process things we over analyze things thinking that we're wise but yet we're utter fools and this is unfortunately what happens in the world because of a darkened mind and a depraved heart we can't see the clarity of how simple the lord made it for us again like michelle said i'm glad i don't have to be up here and i have to present myself in a certain way no come to the lord as you are and he will give you what you need we don't have to get all dressed up we don't have to get all dolled up and fixed up come as you are and the lord will deal with you accordingly and he'll give you a new heart amen and he'll make you a new creation okay the scripture says having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of god sent out into all the earth even though the marks of his sacrifice were evident the lamb was not presented as an object of pity he also bore the marks of omnipotence the seven horns and omni science science means knowledge seven eyes what a figure a slain lamb who has the marks of 
omnipotence and omniscience. Though, uh, or excuse me, throughout the scriptures, eyes, right? The, 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 the suggestion of eyes, it suggests knowledge and wisdom, and horns suggest power. This lamb has all knowledge, all wisdom, and all power fulfilled perfectly. Hence, you have the, the, the saying, seven horns and seven eyes. We know that seven means perfection or completeness, and that is in Jesus Christ. You can read about that in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, and Zechariah chapter 3, verse 9, about the, this whole idea of, of the Lord in that, described in that way. Again, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The Holy Spirit is not only the Spirit of God in the sense of being the Spirit of the Father, but also the Spirit of Christ, Jesus that is. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 tells us, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And Acts chapter 16 verse 7 tells us, And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So we see that clearly. We see that clearly in Scripture. And then it says, He came and took the scroll. No created being was found worthy to take the scroll, but the Lamb could take it. His rank, character, and ability to take the scroll and open it and thus dictate the density of creation has been permanently demonstrated by his work on the cross. This is basically all that to say. Jesus is worthy because he's the only one that could atone for our sins. We go back to, again to the Old Testament, that whole thing of animals having to be slaughtered. Man, what a horrible thing to have to do year in, year out. I mean, it was a band-aid on an open wound. Okay, got to get a new animal. That's why livestock was, so, was, was such a big deal back then. Oh, man, you better have a lot of, <laughs> you better have a lot of animals because if I plan on living a lot, and back then they lived a lot of years. They didn't just die at 80. They were living 120, 150. You know, that's a long time. Maybe they didn't live that long when they were doing that, but still, they were living pretty long. <laughs> creation was was fresh back then all right Uh, verses 8 down through 10 it says and when he had taken the scroll speaking of jesus christ the lamb who was slain the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints and when they sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Okay, so here we see the four living creatures again, and the 24 elders. They all fell down before the Lamb. When the Lamb took the scroll, the response was immediate. There wasn't no... Let me think about this. Let me ponder. Again, you know, we tell people about Christ today. Some people say, I don't know. I'm not ready. I can't give my life to Jesus. Let me think about it. Let me call. Let me, can, I, can I call you? Do you have a track? Can I just get a Bible? No. But when the Lamb took the scroll in heaven, the response was immediate. High-ranking angels and redeemed men joined to worship the Lamb. They got down on their faces and they worshiped God. Each having a harp. A harp is a kind of guitar played 
with either the hand or with a pick, worship in heaven will accompany music. So people like Isaiah, you're going to have some kind of instrument, bro. They got some for you. You see, one might expect that this passage stated the idea that people have uh, harps in heaven. But it, it definitely dispels this idea that we cannot worship God in song and praise with instruments. You got to be aware, there's some denominations where they're like, you can't use any electrical instrument. We're just using voice only. And, you know, I get it. That has its place. But to be like absolute, you could never. So you can't play no drums. You can't play no guitar. You can't. I mean, that's not biblical. But we see people. And again, this is man bleeding his idea into scripture, trying to make the scripture say what they want it to say. It's crazy. But this stuff is out there, you know. But the reality is this, aside from that little side note, if we are not worshiping Jesus Christ as a lifestyle now here on earth, we are going to find it very difficult to worship him like this in heaven. Next, uh, the scripture goes on and talks about these golden bowls and the golden bowls full of incense, incense <clears throat> which are the prayers of the saints. The elderly symbolically presented the prayers of the saints. The application is this. Every single prayer that you and I pray in faith in Jesus Christ's name is heard. They're heard. Your prayers are heard. If you're trusting in Christ and you're praying, lifting your voice to him, to God the Father in heaven, your, your prayers are being heard. However, they did not intercede for the saints, speaking of the 24 elders, functioning as mediators for God's people. We are reminded in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. These elders did not pray for the saints, and this in no way justifies Roman Catholic Church practices of praying to saints and asking them to pray for us. We don't do that. You do not do that. You go straight to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, golden bowls full of incense. In this, we see how precious the prayers of the saints are to God. You know that if you're a born-again believer, you're a saint. You're a saint. That's how, you know, a lot of times we, we just don't even look at ourselves the right way. We beat ourselves up all the time. We're like, man, I messed up. Man, I messed up here. Man, I'm not living up to the expectation that God has for me. Do you know God looks on you with favor? And he says, my child, I love you. You are a saint of God. Not to puff you up, but to recognize your identity in him. So you're not... Walking around defeated. Too many Christians are walking around this world all defeated. You know, we have the power, we have the authority to, you don't have to be scared of no demon. You don't have to be scared of any unclean spirit because you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That is a powerful thing, right? Because you, you can start wigging out in your mind. I know what happens to me, and I got to be like, perfect love casts out all fear. I'm constantly saying it out loud. He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. Because it's like I'm going to the bathroom, all of a sudden I feel this heavy presence. Mm -hmm. I'm like one of those dudes, like, oh, I got to turn the light on. 
demon don't care about no light. If he's going to mess with you, he's going to mess with you. But we don't have to be moved or shaken because in the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. So you got to know, amen, you got to know your identity. i got to know my identity in my Savior and my Lord and my God, amen? That's a, it's a powerful thing. And that's why the world hates Jesus. Well, the, the demons, they hate Jesus because they know. They know that he has authority over them. Back to your prayers, our prayers. He regards our prayers as a sweet-smelling incense. As if it was so precious it was set in golden bowls. This connection between prayers and incense is shown in Psalms chapter, excuse me, Psalms chapter 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You see, incense has a pleasing aroma and it ascends to heaven and it needs fire before it is of any use. And this is what we see here in this portion of scripture. And it goes on to say, and they sang a new song. You see, the elders sang a new song for mercies that are forever new. By a new song is either to be understood as an excellent song, something that was most valued, or something that which pleased God the best. New for the servants of God under the Old Testament could not bless God for the actual redemption of man by the blood of Christ. They could only rejoice in the future hope that people would embrace this promise in faith. The application is this. The new song that you and I should have in our hearts today should be centered around our hope in Jesus Christ. We should have a song in our heart that we sing, and it should be about what the Lord has done for us and how we look forward to, to, to being with Him, and, and we look forward to what He's going to do with us while we're here on earth. Again, you are worthy, speaking of Jesus Christ. You see, in the days of the Apostle John, Roman emperors were celebrated upon their arrival with the Latin expression, vera dignius, which is translated, you are worthy. Here, the true ruler of the world is honored. Again, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign here on earth. These are important points. I don't want you to miss this. The praise of Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 is the emphasis was here on the work of God's creation. But here is on the work of his redemption. The song honors the price of redemption. For he was slain. It cost him his life. The song honors the worker of redemption. That he has redeemed us. The song honors the destination of the redemption. We have been redeemed to God. The song honors the payment of redemption. It was by Jesus' blood that we were forgiven. The song honors the scope of redemption. Every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. I mean, it's clear. Jesus is the only way. And that's why it's saying every person on earth. The song honors the length of redemption for eternity. He's going to make us kings and priests to our God. The song honors the result of redemption. And we shall reign on this earth, kings and priests to our God. The application is this. Believers are kings because of their royal birth 
and their destiny to reign with Jesus. They are priests because they need no mediator other than Jesus Christ himself. All right, verses 11 and 12. And then it says, John, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. The angels and the elders fell down before the Lamb together. This is what they did. Yet it seems that only the elders sang the songs of the redeemed. Because no place in the Bible tells us of redeemed angels. Right? Then the voice of many angels around the throne rose up with the praise of the great Redeemer. Remember, in Revelation chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, the angels prompted the elders into worship. But here, the elders seem to prompt the angels. It's a wonderful cycle we see in heaven with the angels and the elders encouraging each other all the more to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. The application is this. Again, we see unity in Jesus Christ and his kingdom. There's not people doing their own thing. There's no solo artist. Everyone is in one accord, moving as one. Next, we see the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. Some of your translations will say, and thousands upon thousands. Basically, it's this. It's an innumerable number. I, I can't give you an estimate. It's just a lot. It's a lot. More than my, our minds could comprehend. We're not going to experience it until we see it. But there's many angels there worshiping the Lord. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You see, in their song, the angels did not offer praise for their redemption. This is because angels, again, are not subjected to redemption but they're careful observers of it. They see humankind. They see us being saved and they're able to praise God because of what they see, how God redeems his fallen creation. The angels can see, clearly see the greatness of God's work in redeeming fallen men. So their response is to credit him with power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. These are all these are all good things, and these are all things that are worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. The application is this. In the same way, today, you and I can praise God for the way that he works in the lives of us and in other people, right? You're going through a difficult time. You're going through things, and, and your circumstances are not ideal. Begin to praise God, not for your circumstances, but because he's faithful, because he's with you. He's walking through you, with you, through these difficult circumstances and it'll change your perspective and you'll begin to, to, to not be so moved by the circumstances that you're in, but you'll be moved by the praise and adoration that you're giving to the one who deserves it. Amen. All right. Last two verses. And it says, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped every creature. I mean, this is the Bible pulls no punches. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. Neither do I. John couldn't be any more complete in his description. Truly, this is every creature. And that's, that's the thing, right? Is that people now are like, I'm, I, I'm not going to bow. <laughs> like, 
I don't believe in Jesus. I, I, you know, I mean, you got, you know, you got all these other religions and, 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 and they all got bits of truth. I mean, people come up with all kind of wild stuff. Oh, it's all based on the Ten Commandments. Well, don't don't bring up the Ten Commandments because we cannot keep even one. <laughs> the commandments condemn us. They just show us like, man, we just need a savior. It's a good thing that it, it points us to Christ. Because if we were just left with the Ten Commandments, like I said earlier, we're all up the creek without a paddle. We can't cut it, you know, but praise God that he doesn't leave us like that. But, but, but the Apostle John is showing us here in, in this portion of Scripture that every creature, all of them, this combined worship of the Father and the Lamb is strong testimony to the deity of Jesus Christ. There is no doubt that the Lamb is God. If Jesus Christ were not properly God, then this would be idolatry because we would be giving worship to the creature. It's like how some people worship their pastor. It's horrible. Or they worship, you know, this person or that person. Or they worship the sports team or they worship, you know, this car or, or this business establishment. They're worshiping something that's created. They're not worshiping the creator. The application is this. You never will go to heaven unless you are prepared to worship Jesus Christ as God. Many people say, well, he was a great teacher. Well, he was a good man. No, he was God in the flesh. He lived a perfect life to die a wretched death so that you and I don't have to. So we don't have to spend eternity in hell with a bunch of demons and, and, and wishing that we would have made the right decision like, the, like the, the rich man who walked over Lazarus every day. Didn't even pay him no mind. And oh man, it's horrible. He went to hell and what did he say? Man, can you just give me a, tub, a little Dixie cup, a little drop of water? There's a great chasm. Can't do nothing for you. Oh, well, tell my family about this place because I don't want them to go. Pfft, they got the prophets. They're not going to listen. If they don't listen to them, they're not going. They're going to go where you're going. It's crazy, but that's how real all this stuff is. It's not a joke. It's not fabricated. Hollywood could not make this stuff up. They try to, you know, they try to destroy Bibles forever. Why is the word preserved? Because the word of God is so powerful and he wants his creation to know him before it's too late, before he comes and annihilates this place. It's crazy. Here's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I'm, I'm about to end in, in a couple moments here. It's a quote from Charles Spurgeon great man of God. I could not trust my soul with a mere man or believe in any atonement made by a mere man. I must see God himself putting his hand on so gigantic a work. You know, if I could share it, Maria was talking about her daughter has, has really come to the place of recognizing that she's a sinner and that she's accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. When that's an authentic thing, only the hand of God could do that. Only God could move in a person's heart and cause them to be convicted and admit that they need help, that they can't fix their situation. There's so many people on the world that thinks that they can fix it. If I just have a little more money, if I just have a little more education, if I just am with this person or with that person, or if I have this thing or that trinket, I'm going to be okay. 
that's just us trying to self-medicate. The reality is we need the Holy Spirit to come in and show us so that we can be moved to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. But this is what Spurgeon was saying. He's not believing atonement by some mere man. He's seen a gigantic work by the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, this is the last thing I'm sharing as, as we close. The text says, they fell down and worshipped him. You see, in ancient Greece, or in ancient Greek, excuse me, a word for worshipped is literally to prostrate or to lay oneself down in complete submission. This scene may be that the elders fell down to their knees, then laid themselves before him who lives forever and ever as an expression of their total submission and worship. An example is this. We don't really typically do this in our culture here in America, but we should. You know, this is true of many Eastern religions and their method of how they adorn the God they believe in. First, the person worshiping falls down to his knees and then he bows and touches his forehead to the earth. That act of being prostrate is what we see here. But it's an act of humility, right? When, you're, when you humble yourself, you, you'll get low. Get as low as you can. I've heard it say, get as low as you can, as fast as you can. <laughs> In the presence of your Lord. It's a beautiful thing. Because the Lord will work through the humble He's so close to the humble. You'll have the power of God flowing through your life if you humble yourself, if you walk in humility. It's a beautiful thing. It's not about being strong by the world's standards. That doesn't cut it. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not what we see. It's on our knees. It's in prayer. That's how we have, that's how we have the victory. That's how we fight for people who are bound by demonic oppression, because this spiritual warfare is real, and it's going to get heavier. We're going to come out of this little coronavirus thing, and I don't know what's happening next, but it is going to get wild. It is. It is. So we need to strap up, be well-versed in the Word, know our Savior, know our Creator, don't live in fear, walk in the confident hope of Christ, but know that, man, it's going to get wild. I mean, because it's just, it's just I'm, I'm getting off topic, but it's just, it, there's just wickedness out there. And it, is, it, it, it grieves me. It grieves the Holy Spirit in my heart. Last thing is this, is uh, Michelle and Isaiah come up. Forever and ever, worshiping Him who lives forever and ever. The living God reigns eternally. You see, the Caesars of the day, they came and went. Presidents of our day, they come and go. Entertainers come and go. Athletes come and go. But the Lord God lives forever and ever and is worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just, we just thank you, Lord, that, that you, thank you that you take the time, Lord, to, 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 to come alongside of, alongside of us and show us your ways. Lord, your word says that if we open up this book, specifically this book of Revelation, that you're going to bless us. We're going to be blessed in a unique way, understanding. Lord, who, who doesn't like to see the end of the movie to find out what happens, the conclusion? This is the conclusion to history as you wrap it up. 
Lord, we want to be on the right side of your history. We want to be with you. Lord, we want to know that we are protected spiritually. We may die. We are going to die physically, but spiritually that our souls will have rest forever and that we don't have to walk in fear in this world. Would you give us strength, wisdom, courage, vision, and direction? We just need more of you, Lord. Help us today to love people, have compassion for people that are lost. And may we know you so much that we don't get turned out when we're trying to witness to people. (laughs) Because that happens a lot. Christians get turned out and then they go around and they don't know what to say. But Lord, may we be well versed in you to where we won't be shaken and we won't be moved. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name.